Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. Welcome to Middle Up Your Podcast Radio. This is Ethan Luck. And uh, yeah, we're doing these solo episodes. Uh, as you heard, if you listen to Clint's first, it's the holidays. We just had Christmas. We're about to have New Year's. Uh, we're both busy doing shows, all sorts of stuff, family stuff. So we decided, hey, let's just throw these two episodes out. It might be a lot easier than us getting together researching a new episode um, on whatever subject. But next week, we'll be back with a normal episode Um and yeah, we thought this would be fun. Uh, Clint and I both are doing AMAs, which if you don't know, that means ask me anything. And uh, nothing's really off limits. And uh, Clint had a lot of responses, and I've got uh, a ton of responses as well. I'm going to try to get to all of them from Facebook to Twitter to Instagram. And uh, yeah, I might play a couple tunes. Um, I think maybe a few tunes that uh, are from newer artists that I discovered. Maybe not newer artists, but artists that are new to me that I discovered this year. So maybe a, a short list of some best of 2019 uh, music. I think that'd be kind of cool. And maybe a few stories about where I discovered those artists, because uh, there's one in particular that I can remember that I thought was really fun. And uh, not quite the place I would ever expect to discover new awesome music. So uh, anyways, um, nothing really new has happened in my world. Um, doing this episode, obviously, uh, me and Clint are still friends. We, are, uh, we still have a podcast together. Don't worry. <laughs> Nothing's wrong. Um, hope you all had a great Christmas. Hope you have a great New Year. Everyone stay safe. All that good stuff. Um, I'm probably going to be driving around Nashville doing Uber to make some extra money and driving a bunch of drunk idiots around Nashville on New Year's Eve. It's going to be a good time. I promise. I just hope no one pukes in my car. That would be a bummer. A major bummer. But, um, well, I say let's just start off with getting some questions here. Um, first app I got open here is Facebook. And, and by the way, I have not pre-read any of these questions. Um, I thought it'd be more fun to kind of make it a little more off the cuff. Um, I could have pre-read some, but uh, I did not. Um, that would be, you know, more professional of me. But I don't know. I thought it'd be fun just to read these and, and you get my initial reaction off of these questions right away. Um, so let's start off real quick here off Facebook. Uh, this is uh, Michael Salazar. He says, um, what are some of your favorite horror films? He has a few questions here. Um, well, so as you probably all know, Clint is way more of a horror buff than I am. Um, I like some horror movies, but I've never jumped in the deep end of horror. You know, um, for me, my favorite stuff is the more 80s campy horror stuff like Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, um, the Halloween series, stuff like that. Um, I tend to gravitate towards the more cheesy ones. Uh, I will say one of my favorite horror movies of all time, though, is Dawn of the Dead. 
Uh, I remember watching Night of the Living Dead with my dad when I was a kid, uh, somewhere near Halloween, original black and white film, and it's so good. And I think because the budget was so low and it's black and white and it was the, was the 60s, I think. Um, I think that's what made it so scary. But Dawn of the Dead was my first introduction to kind of like low budget, somewhat campy, bad special effects kind of horror movie. Uh, especially the scene where like the SWAT team or the cops or whatever are going into the apartment complex and they open the door. And I remember freeze framing this uh, with a friend on, on VHS. And you see the dude stand there with his hands in his pockets and they blow his head off. If you freeze frame that, if you have your VHS or DVD, whatever, you fancy, um, it's the cheesiest looking fake head I've ever seen. It's awesome. But So I'd say Dawn of the Dead is one of my favorite horror movies. Um, Friday the 13th, The Dream Warriors is a, a good one. Um, oh my gosh, I just crisscross movies. A Nightmare on Elm Street, Dream Warriors, one of my favorites. And I really love, I love all the Friday the 13th, even the really bad ones. Jason X, which I rewatched for the first time uh, on tour with Need to Breathe last spring, which is incredible. Watched it by myself on the bus, by the way. It's so bad that it's, it's good. Um, I love that Jason takes Manhattan, and I love that there's only about 10 minutes in the movie that are actually in Manhattan. Um, but I think, I think part three, where you first see Jason with the horror, with the, uh, the horror, the uh, hockey mask, I think that is a great film. Um, yeah, like I said, I like, the, I, I don't know, I like this stuff that it's a little more campy and fun. I don't really like supernatural, weird stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I don't get nightmares or anything, but it just, I don't know. I just get, I just feel uneasy after I watch something like that. And I feel kind of anxious and I already deal with anxiety and depression. So I don't want to, you know, amplify that. Um, also says who, who are your, some, some of your favorite metal guitarists? Um, well, of course, James Hetfield and Kirk Hammett are up there. Um, I love Marty Freeman's work. Um, you know, people love Slayer. I love Slayer. They're great. Um, I think Jeff Hanneman, it was a great guitar player. I think Kerry King is fast, but kind of sloppy. I don't know. I'm not really a huge fan of his. Um, I don't know if I put it into the metal category, but if you're going to get into like shreddy stuff, I would say that Paul Gilbert is a badass and also a very funny dude. If you've not watched random videos of his on YouTube, he was a Mr. Big for those of you who don't know. He was, uh, was and is still a great, um, insanely good guitar player. Uh, Michael goes on to say, uh, love your work in Demon Hunter, by the way. Thank you very much. And if I can get an old, a shout out by old Torben, that would be awesome. That is if he's still around on his, on his carpet. You know what? Let me, let me go check real quick. Hello, many greetings. This is Torben. And I was informed that I need to give a shout out of some kind to Michael Salazar or Mikhail Salazar as he probably puts it. And uh, I thank you for being a fan of mine. I'm just on the red carpet here, and um, that's all I have to say. Wow, thanks, Torben, for dropping by. You know, I had no idea that he was even in the neighborhood. I didn't, maybe he's spending New Year's Eve in Nashville. That's why he's probably in town. I, if that's the case, that's great. It's great to hear from Torben. Anyways, moving on. Uh, Dylan Hines on Facebook says, Would you guys ever consider doing an album listen-along uh, for bands... Uh, outside the big four, maybe even for a Patreon exclusive kind of thing. It'd be pretty cool to hear your thoughts on music from all over the board, from Pantera to the Beatles to Johnny Cash to Eminem. I would do an Eminem, Eminem record. That'd be awesome. Um, I think that would be really cool. Um, maybe it could be some kind of side project of Melody Podcast. I don't know. Um, 
I don't think we want to dip too far away from Metallica slash the big four. So I don't know if we would do something like that on this particular podcast, but yeah, you never know in the, in the future. Maybe we'll start something else. That'd be fun. Uh, he says, also, do you guys have another Ex- Explore the Big Four episode coming out within the next couple of weeks? Feels like it's been a while. It has been a while, and we've talked about doing another one. I suggested Anthrax's State of Euphoria. Um, but we just had other other good stuff to cover. We've been talking about Jason a lot lately and his departure from Metallica and all that stuff. Um, we will do more in the future. We just, uh, you know, we feel like there's some other stuff that is maybe better content than just us listening through one of those records. Um, you know, we obviously listened to the Echo Brain record, and I think that was a fun episode because we were both genuinely surprised at how good that record was. Um, anyways, moving on, we have uh, Eric uh, Letarte. Letarte. He says, hey, brother. Sorry. Hey, brother. Uh, will you be rolling through Arizona anytime soon? Would love to meet up uh, and show you a cool record store. I would love to come to Arizona to a cool record store. If you have a cool record store in your town, I would love to be there. Um, anyways, he says, uh, here's my question. And by the way, uh, I, as far as I know, on my tour schedule that I have on my Master Tour app, uh, there are no Arizona dates. So unfortunately, no. But maybe Clint is. He says, do you have a favorite Metallica live bootleg? What are your thoughts on bootlegs in general? Do you have a favorite bootleg of all time? And he says, my favorite uh, Metallica bootleg is Woodstock 94 performance and Justice for All. Here's the thing. I'm not a big bootleg fan. I know a lot of people are if you're a massive fan of a certain band. I know, especially in the jam band world like Fish and Widespread Panic and stuff, that's a huge trading community. Dave Matthews Band in particular. Um, Honestly, I've never really sought out that kind of stuff. I've never gone online on YouTube and whatever and, and, or traded tapes with people or traded CDs or whatever, MP3s. Um, I just think that, you know, Metallica is such a well-documented band, not only on film, but also live. I think we're good. Like, I don't think I need to listen to like some dude's tape recorder recording of them, you know, at whatever show in 87. Um, now I know that part of my burp, by the way, um, I know that just recently, um, and I don't think we've even talked about this on the the podcast yet, audio has surfaced of Cliff's first show with the band. I would be curious to hear that, but bootlegs aren't something that I, I regularly would like just put on in the car or at home to listen to. Um, and no offense if you like them, that's great. If you love them, go for it. Listen to them, knock yourself out. Not really my thing. Um, especially like a bootleg of, of Woodstock 94 where like you can find professional recorded versions of those songs um that's just my take on it so again no offense uh bootleg it up if you want to it's not really my thing um tommy Emonen, he says hey Ethan, this might be a hard one because i think uh you have seen countless live shows but what is the best live show you've ever seen i mean just a single gig i have a few on my own list he says metallica at helsinki I, uh, I saw 96 in uh, Tool and Massive Attack at Nova Rock Festival 2006. Tool and Massive Attack. That's pretty rad. Um, gosh, a number one live show. I, mm, it's tough to narrow down. I've seen a lot. Um, myself as well as Clint are fortunate enough as touring musicians to be able to see some amazing bands for free because we're playing a festival and then on the next stage over is whoever, some big massive band. And I can just take my tour pass and just walk over there and stand side stage as long as the band hasn't shut it down. Um, I'll wrap off a few that I think are up there for me. Um, One would be Rage Against the Machine back in 1996 
Um, I got to see them for the first time, and it was the Evil Empire album release show. It was at Cal State Dominguez Hills in California, and uh, I was might I might have still been. I graduated that year. Can't remember if it was before or after I graduated, but me and a bunch of buddies got in my old '83 Ford Econoline van, headed up to Cal State Dominguez Hills, and it was general admission, and it was a terrifying show because there was people that just wanted to hurt everybody else in the pit. And there was no opener. It was just Rage. And I'd have to go back and look up the set list, but I think they they almost played every song from both records at that point. But it was a, such a great time for Rage Against the Machine because they were just they just blew up. And you know it was a good like five years between records or something. So maybe four years. But so Evil Empire coming out was a huge deal, and I got to see the album release show. We won tickets off of uh, K Rock. Had to go down to Tower Records and claim our tickets and stuff but it was a really good time another one was in recent years maybe two or three years ago i was uh, in london uh, when i still worked with kings of leon and uh our stage manager he wasn't at the time but he had stage managed the band at one point and then also he still goes back from time to time he's also been pearl jam stage manager for like 12 or 13 years not only did he get me into an amazing pearl jam show in lexington kentucky a few years ago but me and uh, Wes Fisk, who you've heard on the show, he was, you know, did Pyro and he's Metallica's tuning room guy and a good friend. He and I uh, had a day off in London and we went to our monitor guy's house in London for a barbecue. And then uh, Maddie, Pearl Jam stage manager, also does Eddie Vedder when he does solo stuff, got me and Wes into, uh, we sat in the back with him. And he was also doing lights to see Eddie Vedder's solo at um, Hammersmith Apollo in London. And it was the first time in public that Eddie Vedder in in detail talked about Chris Cornell and his death. And I definitely got chills and shed tears at that show. Um, you can look it up. It's all over YouTube and the internet. You can see a transcript of what he said. It was beautiful and it was an incredible show. So I'd say those are t- the two you know, pretty top ones. Also, the first time I saw Social Distortion, um, growing up in LA and Orange County area, you'd think I would have seen them more, but I didn't actually ever see them until I moved to Nashville. And one year for my birthday, maybe 12 years ago, my wife took me uh, to see, see them at the, uh, the, where was that? At the Tabernacle in Atlanta. And it was amazing. It was on the sex, love and rock and roll tour. It was such a good show. So anyways, moving on here on Facebook, we got Rob Cook. He says, Merry Christmas. You as well. Belated. Um, following on from a question above, uh, any thoughts on doing a listening episode on the boys' favorite, most inspiring band? So this is kind of similar to what uh, the, uh, someone else was talking about. Um, who was that? Was that Eric? No, that wasn't Eric. That was Dylan. Um, again, you know, it would be really cool to like listen through a Misfits record or listen through a UFO record or something like that. But I think that might be best saved for uh, maybe another podcast project down, down the road. Um, but thanks for the question, Rob. Uh, Nolan Wilson says, between Cliff, Jason, and Rob... Who do you feel has produced the best work or who in general is your personal favorite basis between the three of them? Um, well, my personal favorite is Jason and this is no disrespect to Rob or Cliff. They're, they're both amazing in their own right. And they're all different, uh, style based players, different techniques. Um, even though Cliff and Rob both play with their fingers, I mean, they're completely different bass players and that's how, you know, being a musician works. I mean, you could have two guitar players or bass players in this case, learn from the same person, play the same bass, play the same amp, learn the same songs, learn the same techniques, but they're going to play differently because it's your personality comes out in your playing. As far as who has produced the best work, um, hmm, 
that's also a tough one. I'd say the best work, mm, it's between Cliff and Jason, I think. But um, I think Jason's best work is on Justice for All. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Cliff on that one. But my favorite bass player in the Metallica world is Jason, hands down. And it's more of a package deal. It's not only his playing, it's his stage presence, his interactions with the crowd, and just who he is as a person. I think he's just amazing. All right, this is uh, an interesting question. This would have been one, it would have been great to pre-read. <laughs> uh, this is from, uh, I think it's pronounced uh, Arilene, Arilene uh, Moreau. It says, uh, starting from the 60s, which are your favorite bands slash artists from each decade? Man, I'm going to have to spip all this one real quick because that is an in-depth question. Again, I'd love to have pre-read that one and maybe like done some research, but here's what I'm going to say. 60s, I'm going to say Jimi Hendrix. 70s, I'm going to say The Clash. The 80s, I'm going to say, mm, this is where it gets tough. Um, this, is, this is the decade that I was a kid. I was born in 78, so this is the decade where I was like discovering music. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say Guns N' Roses because that was a pivotal moment for me in discovering hard rock music before I got into metal. But before I got into like Bon Jovi and Poison, I thought that was like hard. <laughs> it's definitely not hard. So uh, I'll say Guns N' Roses. The 90s, um, I'm probably going to say Soundgarden. Also, by the way, in the 70s, I'm going to go and say it's a tie between The Clash and Bob Marley. Uh, the early 2000s, the first decade, um, I'm going to say against me. And then we're about to end our next decade here. Uh, and I'm going to say Julian Baker. I've played her on a previous radio episode. Um, I love her. She's awesome. And she's a sweetheart. I've met her around town a few times. So yeah, there you go. Hope that answers your question decently well. Um, Alex Van Dyke says, any plans to do another reggae album? Yes, there is. I actually have about six songs written, not all lyrics for all of them, but, uh, I'm on my way. I I wish I was like this prolific writer that can turn out like an album or two a year, but I'm not. Uh, musically, I can write stuff very fast. Uh, Clint is on another level because he does songwriting for a living. So he's, he's training that muscle almost every single day. I am not because I'm not an in-town writer writing for other artists and stuff like that. Um, Clint's got many legs up on me on that one. But I am uh, going to make another reggae record. Um, and then from there, I might do something else. I don't know. I just, uh, with the last one, if any of you guys heard Let It Burn, if not, you can check it out on Spotify and iTunes. Um, buy the vinyl if you want to. Um, SMLXLVinyl.com. Uh, yeah, it's just a music that I hold near and dear to my heart. And uh, yeah, it was fun to make my version of it. And uh, I plan on doing it again. Yeah. So Alex, don't you worry. I will satisfy all your reggae needs. Um, got a few more here on Facebook that I'm going to play a tune for you. Uh, Brian Ward says, who would you have in your all-star super group, living or dead? Mm, that's a tough one. I'm going to say uh, John Bonham on drums. For Led Zeppelin, of course. He's dead. Uh, on bass, I'm going to put Flea, because I'm a big Chili Peppers fan. I think he's one of the best bass players around and a very cool dude. Haven't met him, but that's what I gather. Um, on guitar, I'm going to put Mick Jones from The Clash, because I think he's very underrated. Uh, and on vocals, me. No, uh, <laughs> I, I would, I'm not worthy to sing with those guys. 
on vocals, um, I'm going to put, uh, let's see, who's one of my favorite songwriters? I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw Bruce Springsteen on vocals, because I think that'd be a really cool group. I think they'd come up with some cool tunes, but anyways. Uh, Christopher Pellet says, festivals or general touring, which do you prefer? Uh, that's a tough one, because a lot of times festivals fall in the general touring schedule. Uh, you'll be on the road for six or seven weeks in Europe and in the middle of that tour, you got a day or two off. Then you hit a festival like rock am ring, rock am park or, uh, download or, uh, what are the other ones that I love? Um, rock Vukta in Belgium. That's one of my favorite festivals of all time. Um, I prefer just, if I had to choose one or the other, though, I'd prefer general touring because you're, you're in the venue. It's your show. You're dealing with your gear at a festival. You're working around all sorts of other bands and it's great to be at a festival and, you know, a lot of them really take care of you very well. Great catering, all these great amenities backstage. And you get to go watch other bands, like I said earlier. Um, but it, it is a little tougher because you've got your set time. you got to get on and off stage super fast. Um, but the crowds are great. So, I mean, yeah, there's ups and downs to, to both. But I think general touring is more my speed. Because you also kind of hit a stride. You kind of hit this groove along the way where it just kind of becomes clockwork every day. Um, I prefer that. Uh, thoughts on Clutch? Ooh, Clutch is a great band. Um, I've got uh, another band that I love very much and friends with called Lion Eyes. And if you've heard my record, Let It Burn, track two, called Can't Go At It Alone, Nate, the singer of Lion Eyes, sings a second verse and some backup stuff. They are basically like the modern Clutch, I think. And they've toured with Clutch a bunch, but Clutch is rad. I've, uh, I went and saw Lion Eyes open for Clutch at a venue here called Marathon Music Works a couple years ago, and they were great. Super good live band. Um, Rob Mars says, any plans to tour Florida soon? Uh, I think there's, so I've been out, as you've probably heard, I've been out with Brandy Carlisle, amazing artist, by the way, check her out. Um, drum teching for her drummer. And I think there is a Florida date coming up in the spring, but I don't know if I'll still be with her at that point. I'm looking around for another gig uh, starting probably in March. Uh, only only nothing against her or the gig. It's an amazing camp, and I love everyone in that camp. Uh, it's just she's slowing down a lot and not doing many shows each month for for a, a lot of the year, so uh, I can't afford to do that. <laughs> I need to pay the bills, so i got to find something else, I think. But I'll be with her the next couple months. Uh, last one here um, on Facebook is uh, Anders Brun Anderson. He says, why do you hate Mother Russia? I don't know what this means. If I made a weird Russia joke, I don't know. Maybe that's what you're getting this from, or maybe this is some, a reference I'm not getting. I will say, I absolutely love Russia. I've been to Russia. It, not on tour, but when I was 16 years old, my my church and my, my parents and me and my sisters, we all went and did like a mission trip to Russia. I went to, um, at the time, uh, it was still part of Russia, I think. I don't know. My geography is terrible. My history, my Russian history is terrible. We went to Moscow and Kiev and St. Petersburg and stuff. And it was such a beautiful country. Um, people were great. Uh, I f we were there in like November, so it was really dark and cold. And, and I felt like Moscow was like Gotham City. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, anyways, um, I'd have nothing against Russia. I, I don't, I mean, other than, I don't know, people hacking things. I don't know. <laughs> Modern politic reference. Uh, no, I've got nothing against Russia. I've met Russian people and they're great. I don't, yeah, again, Anders, I don't really understand this question, why I hate Mother Russia, but I've been there and it was awesome. 
And uh, that's about it. Anyways, that's Facebook. All right, those are the Facebook questions. We're going to move on to Twitter here next, and we'll save Instagram for last. Uh, in the meantime, I'm going to play a track from an artist that I discovered uh, maybe two months or so ago. Um, the funny backstory is uh, I was out doing a Brandon Carlisle show in Memphis, Tennessee, his festival. It wasn't a great festival, speaking of that question earlier. Um, but I decided instead of, you know, no way they, they'll fly me, you know, to the cities we're going to to play. And I decided I'm just going to drive because it's only three hours from Nashville. And I just hate flying. Um, so I drove down and uh, on the way back, I stopped at a Chipotle to grab lunch. Well, while I'm in that Chipotle, I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, this music comes on the speaker in, in the Chipotle. Meet my burrito. And it's like this cool old reggae sounding thing. I'm thinking this is from the 70s for sure. This is awesome. And then this like really sweet, delicate, high female voice comes on. And I'm like, my God, what is this? Because you don't often hear, there are a lot of female reggae artists out there, but um, I think it's just more more of, a, not a male genre by any means. I think uh, there's just more artists that are male got more successful, I think. But there's a lot of great female reggae artists out there like Marcia Griffiths. She's a great example. Uh, who's also one of the I3s, which was Bob Marley's backup singers. Um, anyways, I the I, this song seems like it's about to end, and I grab my phone and do the Siri thing, like, who is this? And I run over to the speaker, and I play, like, the last 10 seconds into the speaker, and it recognized it, and it's an artist named Claude Fontaine. I know uh, you, you guys, metalheads out there, are like, oh, great, reggae, but this girl's so good. It's such a chill, cool record. And there's something about it that's so cool is... It's 10 tracks. The first five are like old school reggae dubs. You got these old school reggae artists to play on it. The second half is all like Calypso, Bossa Nova. The whole thing's real chill. It's a great nighttime record. Or if you're just like laying by the fire, looking hot on your bearskin rug or something, put this record on. It's awesome. So anyways, I'm going to play a track from this. I hope you enjoy it. Check it out. Who kissed you like I 
I hope you guys dig that because I do. I need that on vinyl. It exists. She pressed vinyl of that, and I got to get a copy of that. Oh man, I, you know I know the whole reggae thing is old to a lot of you guys, but listen, this is a very important music to me. And when I heard that, it just sounded so different than. There's a lot of modern reggae that uh, I'm not really a fan of. It it it's kind of turned into this kind of pop dancey reggae. It's not really my thing. I don't often, when I'm at record stores on the road in, in Nashville, I don't often buy any reggae records that were made post-1979. If I see something that looks cool, it's made from like 84, I'll check it out, go to the listening station and, and, and see if I like it. But I find that after the 70s, it just got, you know, it's like the, like it's like 80s pop music. I mean, everything got really like, you know, synthesizers and drum uh, samplers and all that stuff and... Not really my my cup of tea, I guess. Um, but this this was just so refreshing to hear from this artist, Claude Fontaine. Um, it, I don't know. It, I, again, I was in Chipotle. <laughs> it stopped me from eating my delicious burrito to go find out what is this because I was good. Like, I liked it so much that I was like, if if Siri can't figure this out, I'm gonna be really bummed that I don't know who this is because I have not heard that that song or any of her songs in public since. Uh, but it seems like she's getting some traction. She's a California artist. I'm not sure if she's originally from. Um, but uh, hopefully she'll go on the road and play somewhere near Nashville because I'd love to go see that stuff live. Anyways, we're going to move on now over to Twitter. And uh, we got a couple of replies here from uh, my tweet uh, early this morning. Uh, Michael Fell says, other than playing the Ryman, ha, 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 what career goals do you have? Uh, have you changed those over the last 20 years? Um. I think career goals always change. At least they did when I was younger. Now I just want to survive playing music. <laughs> I mean, the the goal in my heart and soul is always, you know, to play music and, and love it, have fun, and continue to have it be my passion. Um, I But I think I can do that without making money. I think I can do that if I was just working, let's say, at Home Depot, and I came home and I was writing music that passion will still exist and it always will until the day I die or someone cuts off my arms and legs. But, um, certain times I think in my past when I was younger and single and just kind of like, we I'm on the road, you know, like my goals were just like, I want to play the biggest venues or I don't know. I mean, I think in general, mine has always just been like, I just want to ride this wave and just make a living playing music. That's my main goal. It's always kind of been the, the one at the forefront, I think. Um, there's probably been, you know, a lot of, like, speaking of the Ryman, of course, yes, I've never played it. But those are goals, too. It's like, man, one day I would like to play the Ryman. One day I would like to play um, Mad- Madison Square well, I actually have, have played Madison Square Garden. No big deal. Um, you know, uh, a lot of the famous venues around the U.S. I've gotten to play, you know, from small clubs like the Whiskey and the Roxy, you know, to up to the Hollywood Bowl, to Red Rocks in Colorado. Um, I never got to play CBGB. That would have been really cool. Um, I went to shows there when I was in New York, but I uh, never got to play there. Uh, yeah, so hope that answers your question. Um, but overall, my main goal is just to be able to survive and make a living playing music. Um, and if I can't, I'll still make music. Uh, Louis Branco, Bronco? I think it's Branco. Uh, he says, hey, Ethan, uh, your wish has been granted. Ooh, do tell. Uh, you get to replace one of the boys in Metallica on one of their records from Kill 'Em All to Hardwired. But remember, 
you'd still be Ethan with Ethan's skills. Okay, question one is which record? Well, geez. I feel like I'm interrupting the space-time continuum by talking about this. Uh, but, hey, I'll play the game. Um, gosh, man, this is a tough one. I'd say St. Anger. And I would like to play lead guitar. Because um, that was his question number two was which instrument? Uh, I'd like to play lead guitar because I feel like it needed not necessarily shreddy solos the whole time, but it just needed something else from Kirk. Um, and are you surprised I didn't say drums? And I would fight Bob Rock on the king king snare sound. Uh, yeah, that's I think that's my uh, that's my answer for you. Uh, Ralph Savetto uh, says, um, "Ever rank your favorite Clash albums? If so, what you got? Oh gosh." Well, for those that don't know, um, The Clash is my all-time favorite band right next to Metallica. It's, it's, I can't decide. It's like your favorite kid. You can't really, maybe deep down in your heart, you're like, hey, it's really that one. But you're never going to tell anybody. Um, I've never actually ranked all of them. I can tell you this. London Calling is my favorite. London Calling is a perfect album. London Calling is a truly great example of a band evolving and trying new things. Like, when Metallica got crap for doing the Black Album and then Load and Reload, I think they've got nothing on The Clash. The Clash altered their sound way more. They explored new styles, everything from reggae and ska to bossa nova to all dance music. I mean, listen to a song called Radio Clash. Um, and it's a dance song with a bitch and bass line. And so it's awesome. Um, I mean, off the top of my head, I'd say, yeah, my favorite one is London Calling. I'd say number two is the first self-titled record, UK or US release. Um, Combat Rock after that, because I think Straight to Hell is an amazing song. It's my favorite Clash song of all time. Uh, Given Enough Rope after that, Sandinista. Um, Cut the Crap, if you're a Clash fan, you know that that's our worst record. That was after uh, that was after Topper Hedden, the drummer, and uh, Mick Jones were kicked out of the band, and Joe Strummer and Paul Simonon made another record, and it's not good. I do own it on vinyl because I'm that big of a nerd. I need to have it, but I can honestly say when I bought that record probably 15 to 18 years ago, I literally have never put it on my turntable because I know it's bad. But I have to have it to complete the collection. I still need like three Metallica records to complete the collection too. I need St. Anger. I need um, Death Magnetic and that's it. Well, S&M, but that's not a studio album. But studio albums, I still need those two. Death Magnetic and um, St. Anger. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Um, the Clash also have other great stuff that they put out too. I mean, like uh, Black Market Clash was like an EP they put out in the early 80s of really cool stuff. It had Bank Robber on it. Later on, they released Super Black Market Clash, which was just a bunch of extra songs added to it. Um, live From Here to Eternity is a great live record by them. The Live at Shea Stadium is a great one. Um, all sorts of good stuff. And if you're a Clash fan or want to get into it, try to find... It's tough to... I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. Maybe on Amazon. I don't know. But uh, there's a great documentary by Don Letts made in 1999 called uh, The Clash, Westway to the World. And that is like a tell-all, career-spanning documentary, and it's fantastic. Uh, I've got it on DVD. I've probably watched it 50 times. It's so good. Um, Monty... Uh, it was Met Concerts 100 on Twitter says, um, might be too late, but I'll try anyway. Did you ever get to see No Doubt live before they became huge? I think you mentioned hearing them on the radio for the first time and knowing who they were since, the, since they were an Orange County band. That is true. Um, 
I didn't have my own car yet, but I recently got my license when I was in high school, and I borrowed my mom's whatever year black cabrio convertible, no big deal, ladies. Um, and I remember hearing uh, just a girl on the radio on K Rock driving to school and thinking, "Wow, that's that's no doubt like the local Orange County band. That's awesome. Good for them." I never got to see them like when they were tiny. I remember seeing flyers at school for them, uh, their shows and stuff, like playing at these little venues in Orange County, like not even real venues. Like there was this one place called Side by Side, and it was a roller skating and ice skating rink. And on the roller skating side, I think it was in Costa Mesa or Westminster or something. On the roller skating side, they would set up a stage and do shows. I remember seeing like old ska bands there, like Real Big Fish and the Aquabats and stuff. But I never got to see them until after Tragic Kingdom came out. And they were getting popular, but they still weren't arena big yet. So I did get to see to, uh, to see the Tragic Kingdom tour um, at UC Irvine in the Bren Center, which is like their basketball arena. But that's not near the size of like the normal uh, uh, arena. Um, I've had a guess. I'd say maybe like 8,000 people. Still a big show, but nothing to the size of what they would become. But it was a great show, and Face to Face opened, if you know them. They're a great punk rock band that I'm a huge fan of and became friends with Trevor, their singer. He was an awesome dude. So yeah, I got to see uh, No Doubt and Face to Face in 1996 at the Brent Center. In 95, maybe. I might still have the ticket stub. I'll have to go look. Anyways, uh, two more here on Twitter. Uh, Outlaw Torn, <laughs> you know that joke, says, Top five films. Uh, gosh, this is another. I should have read him before, but I wanted to be off the cuff here. Um, well, Rocky is my favorite movie of all time. The very first Rocky. I'm a, I'm a fan of the entire franchise, but Rocky won. Um, I'm doing this in no particular order. Some, some of my top films, Rocky won, Shawshank Redemption, The Karate Kid, La Bamba, um, Three Amigos, one of my favorite comedies ever. The Jerk with Steve Martin. That's, I know I'm at six now, but you know, there you go. There's a little taste of that. Uh, last one is uh, from Tags on Twitter. Says who? Uh, who is on your Mount Rushmore of guitarists? Um, all right, I'm gonna say uh, Freddie King, blues legend. Unfortunately, passed away many years ago. He's amazing. If you've ever watched Eastbound and Down with Danny McBride, the theme song to that show is Freddie King. He is a blues guitarist that uh, I think he surpassed what blues is. He was incorporating r&b and soul and funk into it. it he's amazing uh there's a great best of uh that was put out a long time ago excuse me wow um i'm burpy tonight uh called uh, the best of the shelter years and that is a that that has the theme song from eastbound and down but that's a great uh compilation and now i'm gonna play you another tune um so i know i was saying i'm just gonna play stuff that came out in 2019 this one did not i believe it was 99 um but for the 20-year anniversary of this record, this band, who I mentioned before, Face to Face, released uh, one of their most controversial records, according to their fans, uh, 20 years later, on vinyl. And it's one of my favorite Face to Face records. It's called Ignorance is Bliss. So this is where they kind of, speaking of what we talked about before with changing your sound, like The Clash Metallica, uh, this is where they kind of went away from punk rock and it was more of an alternative record. But it was still hard and heavy and melodic. I mean... I don't know. I still kind of think it's a bit of a punk record, but they, they, you know, they had more reverb on the vocals, more, you know, softer songs and stuff, but 
it's still such a great record. So I'm including this in 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 my 1990. I'm sorry, 1999, 2019 uh, selections because I did. Uh, even though I know some of the dudes in this band, and I could have probably hit them up and be like, hook me up with the vinyl, bro. Uh, just to support the band, I went online and, and pre-ordered it when it uh, got announced. But yeah, it's face-to-face, Ignorance is Bliss. I'm just going to go ahead and play the first track called Overcome. This record is awesome. If you want to get into something that's kind of hard, kind of chill at times, great melodies, I mean, great playing, just an awesome record. Check this out, face-to-face, Ignorance is Bliss. This is the first track, Overcome. I mean, if you were a face-to-face fan and were into the punk rock stuff and heard that and didn't like it, I think you're crazy. Because, 
I mean, there's slower songs on the record, very melodic and all that stuff. I mean, it was 99. I mean, Jimmy at Rule was getting popular, stuff like that, Sunday Day Real Estate. So people call that their emo record or something, but I don't know. I think that record is absolutely flawless. So check out the whole record. It's really good. And now we're going to get to the AMAs from Instagram. Uh, this is the last segment here. I'm going to play one track to uh, leave you with at the end of this uh, segment here. And uh, yeah, we're going over to Instagram now. We got a bunch of questions over here. Let's get right into it so we don't make this too long. Uh, Bobby83 says, old question. Did you guys ever get the death magnetic stems? If so, did you add reverb to it? Just listen to one of the podcasts uh, and you said you might do that. Uh, also, he says, uh, thank you for and loving the... Un- Oh, he said, thank you, and loving the Unforgiven uh, fade to black and Dyer's Eve on the new uh, our new EP, uh, Cover Old Black and Volume 4. Thank you, that was my track. I thought that made perfect sense to uh, mash up those songs together, and if you haven't, get over to Patreon, become a patron, you get access to all that stuff. Uh, if you haven't heard it, I mashed up Fade to Black and the Unforgiven because they're both in the same key, both are similar tempos, and I thought it'd be kind of fun. Uh, anyways, uh, so the death magnetic stems, um, I never got those, but, um, I had an unmastered version of the record because, uh, when they put it out for guitar hero, uh, from what I understand, you send in, um, your record or whatever songs for guitar hero unmastered. Cause I think either they remastered them or something, but I had a friend that had the unmastered version sent it to me a long time ago. This is 10 years ago, whatever, um, longer 11 and yeah, I actually did. Um, I remastered it. Um, I added reverb to it and put a mastering plugin on it. I'm not a mastering engineer by any means. I just decided to do it for fun, and I think it sounds pretty cool. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know if I should just start throwing that around to people. Um, seems kind of you know counterproductive, especially after some Napster episodes. But I did do it. Uh, it's. I think it was cool. I think I did a decent job on it. Um, that's the version that I have on my phone to listen to. But um, yeah, it's nothing like mind blowing. So you know, don't worry about it too much. Uh, Cthulhu forty five says, "What is your favorite Apocalyptica Metallica cover? Have you ever seen them live?" And he says, "I've seen them a few times. It was definitely worth it. I saw them open for the boys in Tucson. I've never seen them live. I wish I could. They played in Nashville recently. I think at TPAC, and I didn't get to go. Also, that venue is so expensive." Um, my favorite cover of theirs, um, the one record, I think it's just self-titled. It, it's the one that's all Metallica covers because there's other ones they do other, other bands. Um, my favorite cover of theirs is actually Sanitarium. I think it's beautiful and awesome. I mean, there's some other great moments on Master of Puppets and stuff, but that was one of my favorite ones for sure. Um, oh man, Bill, your last name. I don't know if I can do this one. Bill Veron- Veronicos, I think Veronicos. Vauronicos. Uh, if you have the chance to see, sorry, if you, if you have the choice, one or the other, what would you choose? Band slash artists, uh, you love only touring with the rest of their careers with only new music or bands, artists only record new music with no touring. Um, I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather tour. So I'd rather choose, you know, the bands that I love only touring the rest of their careers with no new music. Oh man, this is this is tough because creating music is such a great thing. I think I would go crazy if I got to just make records the rest of my life, but not go play them for people. I'd go crazy, but also, I don't know, man. That's a tough one. You know what? I actually might choose just making records over touring. As much as I love touring, 
I'd be so bummed not to see the world, you know, many times over. But creating music and putting it out to the world is such a good feeling. I think I'd, I'd, I think I'd rather do that. So there you go. David Football asks, uh, working with people uh, is hard. True. <laughs> what is the biggest slash worst argument you guys have ever had? Me and Clint, I guess you're asking? We've never really had an argument. We're a happy couple, everybody. Contrary to popular opinion. No, um, I mean, there's times where uh, I'm sure we've been frustrated with each other or something. Like, uh, I can't even think of an example. I mean, it's pretty seamless with us. You know, we you know we, we might have disagreements. Like, hey, we should do this episode, and um, he's like, no, and I'm like, yes, and then vice versa. But you know, it's been pretty. It's been pretty seamless. I, I, I gotta say, you know, for uh, two people that have been doing an episode a week for uh, just about three years, coming up here in a few days, it's been pretty awesome. Uh, Kyle Serenfini says, who's an artist you're uh, listening to currently that nobody knows slash isn't well known, but absolutely should be well known. Well, I played you an example of that earlier, Claudia Fontaine. I think she's amazing and she's doing some really cool stuff, throwback reggae and also kind of the bossa nova thing, but she just has such a sweet voice. Uh, I wish I could talk to her and tell her how much I love her record, but, um, that's one for sure. And maybe Jillian Baker, another one. I don't know. I, I love female artists. I just think their voices are so much sweeter than men's. <laughs> so I'm a big fan of the cardigans and garbage and the cranberries and stuff like that. Um, yeah, uh, I think I think Claude Fontaine this year is my number one artist that I've discovered that I'm really into. And I think that everyone needs to know about her. Um, whether you like that style of music or not, it's just good songs and a good production and a good vibe on the record. Um, KH Music Press says, what are some of your favorite albums of the year and of the decade? Well, talked about the year a little bit already. You're, you're going to hear one more after the end of this. Um, of the decade, man, that is, that is crazy. Jeez. Uh, oh, um, Against Me has put out some good stuff. Um, Face to Face, we played earlier, has put out a couple records this decade that are awesome. Um, there's a band called House of Heroes that I'm friends with. I've known forever. They used to open for my old band, Reliant K, a lot. Um, they put out a great record, their last record they put out called Colors, which is awesome. You should go check it out. There's some heavy stuff, some tender stuff, um, mid-tempo. Awesome melodies, awesome lyrics. They're just a, a great band and good guys. Um, so yeah, there's a couple. Again, if I would have pre-read these, that would have been a, a much more in-depth answer, but unfortunately it's not. <laughs> uh, Ernie138 says, does that mean you're a Misfits fan? Like the song We Are 138? Maybe it is, I don't know. He says a simple one. What are you looking forward to in 2020? And is it possible to give a birthday shout out to my son, Alexander? Uh, his birthday is on New Year's Eve and will be turning 12. Thanks and keep up the great work. Well, first of all, happy birthday to Alexander. Happy 12th. I hope it's a, a, a great birthday for you and your 2020 is filled with so much joy and wonder and uh, exploration into music. And uh, hopefully your dad here is getting into some good good music and good bands. Um. What I'm looking forward to in 2020, I I don't know yet. I really don't know. Um, like I said earlier on in the episode, I'm trying to sort out my work life to try to, try to make sure I can still stay afloat and pay my bills. So um, I'm looking forward to the possibility of being on the road with somebody, playing guitar or drums with them, um, somebody that uh, maybe um, not appreciates me, but appreciates the camaraderie of music and uh, you know everyone has a respect for one another and everyone has fun and looks after one another and it's not about egos and it's not about money necessarily it's just 
the, you know, touring with somebody that, that truly loves the joy of music. That's, that's one of my hopes for 2020. Um, something I, I hope to look forward to. Um, that would be awesome. Uh, Icarus Bass, Icarus Bass says, uh, if you had to replace one Metallica member with an existing musician, who would it be and why? Well, I mean, geez, it would be me. Are you kidding me? If I had to replace, let's say, Rob Trujillo, he was like, yeah, dude, I got to go. Who's it going to be? I'd be like, well, yeah, I'm going to do it. <laughs> of course I'm going to do it. I'm not going to be like, um, you should have my friend John do it. No, 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 no. I'm going to do it. I think that'd be awesome, but it's not going to happen. And who wants to replace Rob? He's fucking awesome. Uh, the whole story 405 says, uh, what would be your uh, dream festival lineup to play on or go to? Well, play on or go to, I'll do either. Um, I mean, I'd love to see like, you know, it'd be really eclectic for me. As you know, me and Clint's musical taste is very across the board. I'd love to see Metallica and I'd love to see the cardigans get back together and do, uh, I mean, they're still technically together, but do some more shows. Um, Charles Bradley passed away not too long ago. He's a great artist. Um, Soundgarden, Chris Cornell was still around. would be amazing. Um, I mean, geez, if we're going alive or dead Nirvana, let's do that. You know, um, throw Pearl Jam on there because they're a great live band. That would be incredible. All right. Next question is 82 Edward. He said, why did you leave Kings? I think he's talking about Kings of Leon. Uh, I didn't leave Kings of Leon. Um, uh, let me just clarify some things. I toured with them for four and a half years. I started with them as a guitar tech, uh, teching for their auxiliary musician, a friend of mine named Chris. He decided to leave uh, about a year and a half in to my time with them, and he recommended me for the position, and they said, okay. And so I started playing with them as their auxiliary musician, and I, what that means is I'm not in the band. It's not like, hey, look, it's Kings of Leon, and Ethan Luck is the band member. It's nothing like that. I'm a hired gun. I'm no more important than a crew guy at this point. I, you know, fortunately I get to play music and I get to play guitar with them or whatever I got to, but that doesn't mean I'm in the band or anything. You know, I'm not in photos, I'm not in uh, videos, all that stuff. I'm just the hired gun in the background that plays the stuff and the show's over. I'm done. I walk backstage knowing who's who I, who, who I am. And that's great. Um, but after about two or so years, uh, I got replaced out of the blue, which is, you know, not the best feeling in the world. Um, due to whatever reasons they decided and it was unfortunate and it sucked, but I went back to teching for the last album cycle at the end of that album cycle. Um, I didn't leave. Uh, they were taking a very extended break. Um, some, one of the guys was having a kid someone was having surgery. All this stuff was happening in real life. And so, uh, the organization decided we're not going to keep on most of our crew I kept on a few and I was not one of them. So, um, yeah, that's kind of that. Um, Lauren Ochi Singh Sing, Sing, uh, says, what is your favorite Metallica tattoo you've seen either on one of the boys or a fan? Uh, this kind of goes back to the bootleg thing. Um, I don't really sneak out like Metallica tattoos. I'm, I'm, you know, even though I've got a ton of tattoos, I'm fairly covered here. I don't ever go online and just like look at Metallica tattoos. Now I have seen some really cool portraits. If I think if someone's getting a Metallica tattoo or any band tattoo, like doing a portrait is kind of the way to go, especially with a really good tattoo portrait artist. I have a friend named Ian here in town. Great artist. 
Um, he did a portrait of Rocky Balboa on my thigh. That's right, on my thigh. It was big, so we needed some space. <laughs> I got a lot of real estate right there. Um, yeah, that's kind of the way to go, to, to go in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I, I, maybe I'll start looking at some more. I don't know. Um, Johannes says, what is the most heavy slash uh, extreme band you like? Uh, probably extreme, more than words. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. You know, um, you might all kill me for saying this, but like I don't really tap into a lot of like super heavy stuff. Um, it's really got to stand out to me because I'm a big you know, lyric and melody guy too. So something might be super heavy, but it's just screamy and the lyrics aren't great and stuff. But there's certain records I consider heavy that are very melodic, like, you know, Helmet's Meantime. Um, I think Soundgarden Super Unknown is super heavy. Um, there, you know, there's a great band um, from Norway uh, called Extol. Kind of black metal, thrashy, um, they're just really, really cool. Um, I got to know them a long time ago. Um, one of my old bands was playing a festival over there. And I saw them play, and their drummer, David, was just like mind-blowing good. Um, but check out Extol. They've got some really cool records. Um, I think you guys might dig them. And they're super heavy and all that stuff, thrashy. I've uh, got a couple more here, four more questions. Uh, Dirty Pot says, though, I love how much you've touched on guitars. I'd love to hear more about uh, Metallica through a drummer's eyes. Favorite drum performances, um, album or live of Lars could be a whole song or section of a song. Um, I've always been a big uh, fan of um, the Injustice for All part. Just that. I think it's so cool. I'm guessing either Lars wrote that or James wrote the riff and Lars wrote the drums to it. I think Lars and James have a good chemistry like that, where he'll play parts that mimic james's riffs or vice versa and I, I, that's one of my favorite drum parts in fact when i was playing drums we're like hey oftentimes on tour when our front of house guy scott would say hey you know i check the drums kick snare toms overheads whatever then he'd say all right whole kit and then i play the whole kit and i would play that in justice for all drum part because you're basically using all the drums at least on my setup you know i'm not using double kick and stuff but i had three toms kick snare two or three crashes ride hi-hat and I would play that because I'm hitting both crashes, the hi-hat, and then I would crash the ride, but then I would hit all the toms too, so it worked out. So there you go. Uh, Coco Brazier says, I grew up in Encinitas, Encinitas, California, so just south of you. Yes, you did. Uh, and man, do I miss that place. What are some bands slash songs that remind you of Southern California? Well, like we said earlier, No Doubt's a big one. Um, Face to Face or from California. Um, like them or not, Blink-182, they're a very Southern California band. Uh, one of my top ones is Social Distortion, hands down. One of my favorite bands, probably in my top 10 for sure. Um, to me, that's a very Southern California band. Uh, also, liking reggae music and ska music, there's a lot of those 90s ska bands that are very California. Goldfinger, Real Big Fish, Save Ferris, stuff like that. Um, there's a great all-girl surfy kind of rock band that you guys should check out called La Luz. It's L-A-L-U-Z. Uh, they're from LA and they're very, very cool. Um, they definitely just have a good California sound. And of course, way back to like the fifties and sixties, mostly sixties. I love old surf music, the ventures and stuff like that too. Uh, Angelo Gonzalez says Christmas question, best or most memorable Christmas gift you ever received. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would say the, 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 probably the best and most memorable was my dad's cousin, who I think is still just called my cousin maybe once removed. I don't know what it is. I'll look it up later. Um, he got me my very first skateboard. Um, 
it was awesome. It was a Tommy Guerrero skateboard. It was the, if you're a skater out there, it was the, the dagger with the flames around it. That was, uh, we were still living in Long Beach back then. So that was probably 1986 or seven. Got my first skateboard and I was just obsessed with it. Um, went down to the skate shop to pick up my grip tape and I had it done. I think it was called like earthquake style. So there's like cracks in it. It was super cool and edgy. <laughs> But that's what started my love of skateboarding, and to this day, I still ride skateboards. I'm not great at it, but um, I cruise around. I go to the skate park, and I find little runs and carve things and whatever, but I tend to stay on the ground these days because I'm 41, and uh, I don't want to break anything. That doesn't sound fun. But uh, yeah, that's one of my most memorable ones. Um, I think the only one to top that was the first time I got a guitar, and if you go to my Instagram page and scroll back a little bit, um, you'll find a picture, uh, that randomly my mom sent me of me with my very first guitar and it was on Christmas in 1989. Um, yeah, so I've, yeah, I've been playing guitar for 30 years apparently. <laughs> Math is fun. Uh, it was a guitar, uh, the brand was called Memphis, which I don't know if they're still around. I don't think so, but I thought it was the coolest thing ever. My dad being a guitar player knew it was a piece of crap guitar, but what are you going to do when your kid wants to play guitar? You don't buy him a Gibson Les Paul. You buy him a piece of crap in, you know, with, with the assumption he might not take to it and not like it. You don't invest a lot of money into that. So yeah, those are the top two for me, a guitar and a skateboard for sure. Last question is life of, uh, Evansy, Evansy. He said, not really an AMA type of thing, but would love to see a gear slash studio tour. He's talking about HQ one, HQ two, me and Clint's houses, uh, we've talked about doing that. Uh, I think maybe that's something we could do in uh, 2020 is do a little YouTube uh, video touring our uh, respective studios. Now, our studios aren't like the Smokestack, which is HQ3, Paul Moak Studio. Paul? Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, my studio is basically, uh, it is a one-car garage attached to my house. Uh, we moved in here 10 years ago, and I thought this would be a great music space. Um and really, you know, it's not a proper studio, but a studio can be anywhere. And you can, it can be in a shed, it can be in a garage, it can be a bedroom or like an actual building with multiple rooms. Mine is just one room. Um, I've got guitars hanging everywhere and my drums are out and I've got a record player over there. My, my B-rig set up like Clint has. Um, yeah, so that's uh, something that I think we're definitely going to do in the future. I think it'd be kind of fun to do that. Um, and I wouldn't want us to do it, um, you know, like as a podcast episode you know, I guess we could, but you want to see what we're talking about. So yeah, maybe we'll do that in the next uh, coming months. Uh, I think that'd be a good idea. Uh, well, you know what? Unfortunately, guys, that is it for the AMA. All right. I uh, appreciate all your questions. I uh, hope you dug the couple tunes I played. I know it's not as uh, many tunes as normal, but I had a lot of questions to get through. So there you have it. Lastly, I'm going to leave you with a record that I discovered last spring on tour with Need to Breathe. Me and Josh, the keyboard player, uh, we hit up 40-plus record stores on that tour. We're vinyl nerds. We had a good time doing it. And one day we were, I want to say we were in Salt Lake City. can't remember, uh, remember the name of the shop. But uh, he picked up a record based solely on the cover. And it's an artist named Julia Jacqueline. Okay? And uh, the record is really, really cool. Uh, the record is called Crushing. And, uh, yeah, we went back to the bus and put it on. And he was like, the guy recommended it. The cover looked cool. I think I've heard of her. I'm not sure. And we put it on and we were both like, dude, this is awesome. So this was another uh, great discovery in 2019. Julia Jacqueline, the record's called Crushing. I'm going to play you a track to close it out called uh, Don't Know How to Keep Loving You, which sounds depressing, but 
Maybe it is. Maybe we'll like it. All right? Here you go. Julia Jacqueline, Don't Know How to Keep Loving You.
Hey everyone, this is Ethan and Clint. We're here to tell you about supporting the show via Patreon. That's right. Every week, Ethan and I work hard to bring you the best Metallica content possible. If you think the show has value, consider supporting us on a financial level at Patreon. For $5 a month, or the price of two cups of coffee, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast continues to grow in quality and content. But that's not all. In addition to being able to help sleep at night for supporting your favorite podcast, we've also come up with incentives to say thank you that are exclusively available to patrons. For example, for a pledge of $5 or more, you immediately get free downloads of every cover our world blackened ep ticket giveaways for shows like snm2 and slaying castle box sets rare vinyl metallica memorabilia like snm2 guitar picks email priority meaning we'll read your email first on the show the chance to ask guests like hailstorm jay weinberg of slipknot and metallica row crew your very own questions and the opportunity to come on the show as a guest for our metal tales bonus episodes in which you can tell us all about any Metallica show you've been to in the past. All this and more for becoming a patron and supporting Metal Up Your Podcast. We couldn't do this show without you, and to everyone on the ride with us, we sincerely thank you. Peace. Adios.